Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from two books, the book of Matthew and the book of Hebrews. Matthew 5:14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is the word of the Lord. What well, is good to continue this series on what is the church and do I need one? And um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes uh, life uh, seems out of control uh, or you seem uh, worn down, uh, tired in need of a break, you think to yourselves, how can that happen in everything that I'm so important to do that needs me to do it? And in my passport country, uh, where uh, when I was growing up, there was a, a product that was for uh, marketed specifically for women uh, that after the commercial would be a, a, a mom who is dealing with her children and all sorts of things are going on and, and really uh, uh, um, just going um, sort of crazy and haywire. Um, she says, Calgon, take me away. And it was like a bubble bath. Uh, and like for me, I'm like, what's that going to do for you? Uh, except make you soapy. Uh, that means you're going to have to rinse off. And as an eight-year-old, that was like the farthest thing away from any sort of refuge, you know, from anybody at all. I think you probably can think as you're hearing that and thinking about what do I do to relax? Is there some place that I go? So let me give you just one. This is a this is a bonus. This is extra. This is like special. Put this in your pocket and keep it for later. If you can't think of something that is a refuge for you in the busyness of life, like a tangible, practical thing, find one. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's that you need to take a day trip to look at the, the waves in the ocean. Maybe you need to go for a hike. Maybe you just need to find a way to get every other distraction in your house out of the way so that you can take a nap. Maybe it's playing computer golf. That's just me. Who knows? Or real golf, for that matter. That gives you a place to go, okay, one, I'm not all that important. Like, life will go on without me. That reminds us of that. Two, things are stressful, but I can still breathe. I can still relax. And then three, um, never get in a tub with a bunch of soapy water. It doesn't do anything for you. Today we're talking about the church as a city. Now, we're sort of going to take this passage that we start with, that, that uh, Jesus in the Beatitude and, and the Sermon on the Mount says, you are the light of the world. And then he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. This beautiful, just one little sentence. Lots of churches have taken that and named their churches city on a hill. There's this idea that the city on the hill is the, the place that cannot be 
hidden. It's seen. And so the church needs to be a place that is seen, just like that light is seen. But the listeners of this sermon, when they hear him say, city on a hill, probably have two, at least two distinct cities that they're thinking about. The first city that they're thinking about is Jerusalem. That's the city on a hill. That's, that's the big city. That's the, the place that we all know God resides. So the hearers of this sermon are going, oh, the city on a hill. Yes, Jerusalem, God's city. It's the city where the people of Israel recognized who they were because it was the city of David. It was the place that is called forth as where David would reign from, this city. And so we can see that and go, yes, how that aligns well with our particularness is found in that city of Jerusalem. They knew who they were in that city. We're Jews. <laughs> we are God's chosen people because our city is there. When the city is destroyed in the exile and, and, and they're taken away from their city, they long to get back to that city. And God allows them to rebuild that city. Because their identity was so wrapped up in that. They brought their particularness to that place. Just like we bring our particularness to the body of Christ. And it's in that city that they worshipped. Where the temple was. We too worship like that. In that city. And in that city they were salt and they were light. That, that was the place that people identified us. That's, well... That's what they say is God's people, or that's the city we need to take over if we're going to take that nation. And so they were well known in that city. And so the church is that place. It is the city of God. The place that on the outside looking in, people can go, if you want to go see a bunch of God botherers, if you want to go find out maybe, just maybe what God is like, then you go to a city. And so the gathered people of God must be that. We must be those who are ready to give reason for us being the reflection of God. That we are those who are standing with God in his city. He has claimed us as his own. So that could have been very much the first city that they were thinking about. The second city that they maybe had an inkling of, this idea of a city on a hill could not be hidden, could come from what took place as they were coming in with Joshua into the promised land. So as they're coming into the promised land, Joshua is called by God, uh, and he tells Moses first, and then Joshua is the one who carries it out, to sit up six distinct cities in the land. And these cities, there should not be any sort of uh, hindrance for people to get to these cities. In fact, it should be very clear how to get to those cities. And that city must always be open. It must be a place that is ready to accept and those cities were called cities of refuge. We see them being described in Joshua chapter 20. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint to cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that if anyone strikes someone without intent or unknowing and kills them, they can flee to it. 
These shall be for you a refuge from the avengers of blood. And he shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate and explain what has happened. And they will let him in and he will be safe. And he will gather with the congregation and there will not be judgment. And then... After the death of the high priest, they will be released to leave that city as free. And so what I want to say to us today is the church must also be a city of refuge. A place that is safe for those to come who are guilty or not guilty. A a place for those who have had something tragic happen in their life or something tragic happen because of them to come and be brought in and be accepted, to be held, to be known, and to be loved. In a place of refuge, what takes place is condemnation can be set aside. I think too often right now, churches are known for how we condemn. Too quickly, we are known as those who are always telling people what they're doing wrong. When we become a city of refuge, we are those who are saying, all of us have done wrong, and we want you to come in and join us. We are not those to call condemnation, but those who are called to bring relief. Now, my favorite verse in the Bible, one of them, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says this. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The amazing message of Jesus is this. I have come to set you free. You are already condemned. (laughs) So I don't need to tell you that. See, when the church becomes a place of refuge, we are open for those who realize life has gone wrong. Life has gone amiss. There is something that needs to be made right again in my life. And so I need to find a place where I can go to find out if that's a possibility. And if the church is built as a city like a fortress that is saying, you're not good enough to come in yet then we do not provide what Christ desires. But if we operate as a city of refuge, then we are those who allow all to come in, saying we recognize now that you are seeing you are condemned. And you need salvation. You need forgiveness. You need peace. You need grace. You need mercy. How much better is that than to say you need to stop. 
You need punishment. You need judgment. The wrath is coming. It's already known and out there. Even for those who don't want to admit it. When we look at the world and we see how broken it is, we can't help but think somebody must be punished. Right now I'm listening to this great podcast that's called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. And in it, it is telling the story, J.K. Rowling, by the way, the author of the Harry Potter series, just in case you, maybe, potty, Harry Potty, Harry, Harry, Harry Potter series. I'm glad I could wake up all the children in the front row. And in it, when she first released the books, there were witch hunts for her on one side of sort of the political and Christian and arena. This idea that that these books were evil and bad and would lead to witchcraft. And so there were great protests and burning of her books and and all sorts of things. That's 20-some years ago now. Today... People who are on the complete opposite side of what is going on over here are now burning her books and calling for her to be counseled and giving her death threats, just like what happened over here. I've lost myself because I'm laughing that I said potty. (laughs) Well, yes, yeah, yeah, but 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 she's there, and it's and it's a and she is being. Push down. My point is this. I remembered it. Everybody wants to other somebody to make them be the villain that has made the world bad. When the church stands as a place of refuge, We freely admit bad things happened. But forgiveness is possible. That verse in Hebrews that is there is telling the difference between Abel's blood that was sacrificed by Cain and Jesus' blood that is effective to save. And in it, he says, we now come to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festival gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn, to God who judges, to the spirits of those made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. That we are only able to be this city of refuge when we see that Jesus is the one mediating that he is the one that has gone before, that he is the one who has opened the gate to the city and welcomed all in, that he is the one that stands in that place and says, come, come and receive life. So much so that I'll die so that you can have it. Now it's interesting to point out that many believe that when the high priest died, that was a, a, a picture of Christ coming because it was when the high priest died that everybody was released from the city of refuge that the debt had been paid and the same is true for us 
So, so then why do you need the church if the church is a city of refuge? <laughs> because you live in a broken world. And because you are broken. You need a place that will not condemn, but will call you to who you were created to be in God before the foundation of the world. And says it with such truth and understanding that longs to bring you in with such love and mercy that says to you, you are more than you know. These things that you have done do not define you. These identities that you hold on to do not define you. These things that you think will cause you not to find rest do not define you. But you are defined in Christ, who is the one who has come and is better than able. And so we need it because we are those who need refuge. We need the church because we are those who feel broken and weary and torn down. And we need it to be with those around us to say and remind us that, yes, that is who you formerly were. But the high priest has died. And you are now new in who you are in Christ. So that we can then go out and be those who are in the world. It's hard for us to think of ourselves as the one who causes the brokenness in the world. That we could possibly need the city of refuge. But when we do, we are able to move into our truth identity. The one who has made us calls us and says, you once were, but now you are. You are mine, and I have made you who you are. So what does that look like for us at Frio? What does that mean for us in this space as these gathered people? Well, it means that we should be active in bringing anybody and everybody in. (laughs) We should not look at anybody that is in our life, anybody that is in our circle, and just automatically think to ourselves, they just won't fit. (laughs) They just won't make it. Maybe if they change this, maybe if they stop believing this, no, we bring them in. Uh, Maybe not here right away. This could freak them out. But with our lives, we invite them in. We we begin to live and breathe and be present with them. Hoping that they will see the one who has come to bring them to know who they are. Hoping that they will find that they are no longer and don't have to be under condemnation. But can have life. Life better than they've ever dreamed. We do that with one another as well. We should walk with one another and say there are things that have bound you up. There are things that you're holding on to. There are beliefs that you are struggling with. There are actions that need to be broken and we speak truth to power in love. Saying just take a moment and rest in refuge to God. Because God, through Holy Spirit, is so much more effective in persuading someone than I am and than you are. And so we bring them to the throne, to the holy mountain, that place that is unshaken so that they can touch it and know that God is holy and just. 
What does that mean practically? I don't know. I don't know what it means like practically for you. That's a place for you to wrestle with, to get with the Holy Spirit and say, what does it mean for me to be that city of refuge in the place that I'm at? What does it mean for our house to be a place of refuge? What does it mean when we we gather together for us to do that? So I encourage you, think through that. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. And if you hear or feel or or, are directed in some amazing way or some minute way, put it into practice. Step into it. Talk to others about it and confirm, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what God is doing and saying. Don't just take it on yourself and say, God has told me to try and win the lottery. That's how I'm going to be a refuge, right? Or to do some weird, sinful thing. Speak with the church, the people who know and love you, so that they can walk with you in determining and seeing, yes, that's where God is moving. Because here's the other thing about cities. Cities are never one. Cities are a group. Cities are never one. They're a group. What I love so much about Australia, I love the rural areas, I love driving through them, is that the majority of the population lives in cities. Because I'm a city lover. I love them. I love that it is a gathering of people. When I'm with people that I'm walking down the sidewalks with, the footpaths, and I bump into people, to me, that's awesome. Because that means there's lots of people. Now, there's a bad side of that, because that means you can hide, because there's so many people, nobody's going to see me. But the good side of that is I have the ability to have interactions with all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, in all sorts of ways, and discover so many awesome stories. The church is a city, is not you. You're with many people to support, to encourage, to challenge, so that in the end, we will know who God has made us to be. Let me pray for us. Father, if there is anything that's not from you today that's in this sermon, Anything that we've done today at all that's not from you, let it leave our minds, let it burn up, let it go away. And if there is anything that is from you, let it take root in our hearts and bring you glory and honor and praise. Amen.